We're going to be over in Genesis chapter 18 and Psalms 22. So we've been looking at God's boot camp or how we are getting ourselves ready spiritually, getting ourselves spiritually fit. There are things that God puts us through. There are things that life puts us through, but it's all for the purpose of getting us ready to move on. Tonight we want to take a look at those times when it seems like God forgot. How many times have we been in a place where it just seemed like God forgot? God, did you forget I'm here? Did you forget what you said? Did you forget what you promised? Hey God, look where I'm at. Look what's happening. Do you see what's happening to me? Do you even know what's going on? Sometimes we get the feeling that way. Over in Genesis chapter 18, we look at Abraham as he went through much of this. He was given a promise, but he hadn't seen any of that promise just yet. We know it had been 24 years from the time that God made the promise until Genesis chapter 18. 24 years hadn't seen the promise come about yet. God said, I'm going to make of you a mighty nation. No one will be able to count all the descendants that are there for you. That's how many you're going to have. 24 years later, he still has the same amount of kids with his wife. This just just not working out the way that it's supposed to. And we know he's made some compromises along the way to get some kids in, in, the, in the fold and that gave him nothing but trouble. But in Genesis 18, Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves here under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts and that you may pass by. Inasmuch as you have come to your servant, they said, Do as you have said. Now, you don't just do this to everybody who passes by. He knows something's up here. He knows this is, this is good. This is somebody special. So Abraham hurried to the tent and Sarah said, Quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal. Knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the, to the herd, took a tender good calf, and gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. Well, you know what that means. What was alive is no more. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared, and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Now, that took a little while to get all that done. It don't just happen. <laughs> and they waited all this time seemed like they had nothing else to do but to take care of Abraham here. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, Here, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed, within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child, since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. 
And he said, no, but you did laugh. Well, it's really easy to get into a thing like that where you know, when you first hear something about faith and you've been believing for that thing, it's real easy for us just to get a little impatient about it and just kind of, well, that's not going to happen for me. Happen for everybody else, but it's not going to happen for me. I've waited a long time. It just hasn't happened yet. I don't think it's ever going to happen. And then somebody comes or you sit in a meeting and somebody preaches a message, it's going to happen for you. And you say, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> that's the same thing the Sarah was doing. It's like, yeah, it happens for everybody else. I know God can do it, but for some reason, He's just not doing it for me. It's just not going to happen. And we just get to that, that spot because it just seemed like God forgot. After 24 years, how many of you would say, God forgot? I mean, we can't wait. Most of us can't even wait 24 weeks. 24 days. I mean, come on, 24 hours is a tough one, isn't it? Sometimes we get, we want that thing. We pray. I just prayed this morning. God, how come that thing's not here yet? What's wrong? Aren't you answering? 24 years since the promise. 24 years. And God said, I will make of your descendants a great multitude. They'll number greater than the sands of the earth. You won't be able to count them any better than you can count the sand. You won't be able to count them any better than you can count the stars. Right now, how can Abraham count them? One. And that's not even the right one. I'm sure that comes in his head just like it came in your head. After one year. After two years. After three years. How many got? None. And then God had to really fix it. Instead of Abram, he was called Abraham. Father of many. Oh, father of many. How many kids you have? And so if he wasn't being reminded of it himself, other people were doing it. How many kids you got? None? Father of many, huh? That doesn't seem to be working out for you too well. And I'm sure that they began to get on him a little bit. It's just like us. We're going around saying, Heal. Jesus has healed me. Jesus has blessed me. And people are looking around saying, I don't see blessing. I don't see healing. And we feel that thing in our body. And we look at our checking account and we look at the things that we're missing and it's not there. And we think, God, what's going on? I've been waiting. I've been standing. I've been doing what I'm supposed to do. I don't think you've been doing what you're supposed to do, but I've been doing what I'm supposed to do. And Abram many times had to deal with these thoughts. Now, it wasn't just Abraham. This is a promise to two people. You know how hard it is when the promise is just to you? This is the two people. And they get together. And the two people get together. And what do you think happens? Not everybody's in faith on the same day. Sometimes one's in faith. They've been praying, worshiping, getting themselves there. And oh yeah, I'm charged up. I'm ready. God is coming through. And the other one, they're not in faith. And they say, He is not. I think we're just going to have to give up on this whole descendant thing. We're going to have to find another way. God's just not coming through. And so the person who got themselves in faith, now they're, they're getting attacked a little bit by the person who's supposed to be blessed with them. And over 24 years, how many times do you think this kind of stuff happened? I mean, think of your own household. Husbands and wives. How many times? Somebody close to you. You're both believing for the same thing. How many times has it been? One person's in great faith. The other person is in little faith or no faith. 
And we have conversations about it. And then if you try and lift up the person who has little faith, they get mad at you. Because now you're coming down on me. What are you picking on me for? <laughs> so these, these kind of battles come on. And, and sometimes we get so tired of the battle that we can just say, well, God forgot, I'm just going to forget about it. And we just build up a hard wall to that. And as soon as somebody wants to come along and preach about that thing that we've been believing for, what do we say? I'll sit here, but I'm not going to listen. I'll sit here, but I know that that's not working for me. Nuh-uh. New, no, new, no, new. No. And we just go on and, and then we're going out and we'll say all the right things. Glory, hallelujah. Yes, sir. I'm, in, I'm blessed. I'm healed. God's coming through. And then we get on back home or we're to, to drive home and we say, everybody else is, but not me. It's not happening for me. I think God forgot. Ever been in a place like that? I mean, it's, it's easy to get in that kind of a spot. Because it just seems like it happens a lot. And you'll go through the Word of God, you'll find out this kind of stuff happened quite often. But this one was different for Abraham. Because on this one, all the other ones, all the other 24 years, that he had an appearance of Jesus, or an angel, or a vision, or whatever it was that came through, every other time it was always the event that was predicted. Every time the event was predicted. You are going to have a son. The event is predicted. Sarah is going to have a child. This is what's going to happen. And so we kept hearing about the event. This is the first time that a time was predicted. Next year. About the time of life. That's nine months. Next year. This is what's going to happen. When Abraham first meets them, he worships them. And this is the best part. He first meets them. He worships them. How many times when we have been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and we see Jesus, our first thought is, where's my thing? Where's my promise? How come it's not here yet? We think about it at nighttime and I say, oh God, I just want you to appear to me. I just want you to show up. Show up in a dream. Show up in a vision. Just show up. And what do we think in our heads as we go over this? We're always thinking about this in our head. What is the first thing we're going to ask them? Where is it? Why is it not here? How come it hasn't come about yet? But Abraham, he sees and he recognizes this isn't just three people passing on by. This is, this is God here. We need to bring stuff. We need to worship Him. And He comes and He worships Him. He worships God. He worships based on who God is. And that's just a great place to be. It is sometimes the hardest thing to worship God for who He is when you have need of something. And you are mindful of that need. And everything tells you, you have need. You have need. It hasn't come about yet. There's, been, there's a promise, but no reality. And as soon as you see God, that need is pressing. And if we think that that need has been answered, we're ready to worship. If we think that need hasn't been answered, not so ready. If I feel healed, I'm ready to worship. If I still feel that ache and pain or whatever the symptom was, I'm not, I don't feel as much to worship. If I see that finances begin to come on in, I'm ready to worship. If I see the new job come along, I'm ready to worship. But up until then... I think about worship. I think, where's my stuff? Where's my thing? We've got to get to a place where we worship God based on who He is. 
not what God has done. But oh, it's so easy to fall over to the other side and worship Him based on what He has done. Israel was in a, in a place where they worship God based on what He has done. When they got to the place and there's no water, what's He doing? Where, where are they doing, I should say? Where, there, there's no water. Based on what you've done, led us to a place where there's no water. We will grumble and complain. Not based on who God is. Based on what He's done or not done. What He's done in my opinion. You haven't quite come through for us all that fast. I don't know if we're going to really be ready to worship you. You need to earn that. But Abraham doesn't do this. When he first sees these guys coming along, he worships them. He leaves his comfortable little spot there. It's hot out there where he's at. He's got a little shade going on. So he gets out of the shade and he goes over to where they are and he worships them. And he says, while it's hot, I'm going to go out and make you some food. Prep you some stuff. So how about you just wait here underneath the tree where it's cooler and let me go out there and do all that work and do all that thing for you. How many of us are saying, I'll do that, but you've got to come through on your end here. Because we go through this thing. God, did you forget me? Did you forget me? Well, let's take a look at some other people that it seemed that God had forgotten. Here's the first one, David. David's minding his own business. He's tending sheep. The prophet comes to the household and David doesn't even know about it. Or if he does, he's down there with the sheep. And the, the prophet goes through one son... The next son, the next son goes down through all the sons and God says, nope, 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 nope. And so finally, he, he, the prophet says, don't you have any other sons? And the dad says to Samuel, well, yeah, there's one other one. I didn't really think too much of him to even bring him up here. But yeah, if you want him, I'll go get him. So they go out there and they get him and, and David gets plucked out just doing his, own, his job, just doing what he needs to be doing. And he gets plucked out and he gets a promise. You are going to be king. Did David ask for that promise? Didn't ask for that promise at all. So he's got this promise, you're going to be king. And it seems like things were working out pretty good for him for a little while. He got to soar up in Saul's ranks and began to take over some, uh, became captain and then a little bit higher than that, a little bit higher than that, leading people in the battle. People began to be favorable about David, began to sing nice songs about David, killing all these people. And then Saul doesn't like it. And now the king's trying to kill him. And bad things are going on around. Every time David turns around, Saul, Saul's got some other plan to get rid of him. And the reason that Saul got all upset was because the promise came. And Saul's beginning to recognize the promise is on this guy. This is the guy who's going to get it. David didn't ask for that. He didn't ask for all this trouble. But all it seems is that there is trouble. So he says, alright, we've got to do something to take care of this. So I'm just going to go away and leave this household. And so he goes away and leaves the household and Saul takes all the army and comes after him. Have you ever had a whole army pursuing you? Whole army. Whose sole purpose is to find you and kill you. That's some pressure. That's not so good. How many of you are feeling that, boy, thank God for the promise. Oh, we're liking this promise. Thank God for the promise. And then you find Saul in a cave. You find them in the field. Find them both places. 
And everybody around you saying, God has delivered your enemy in your hand. This is the time. Seize the day. And he says, no, I can't do that. Can't do, but this is the promise. How many of you all know that after this time, he's probably being, being told, God gave you the promise. You walked away from it. You should have taken it. But he didn't do it. He says, no, I can't compromise the principles I know of God. That's the Lord's anointed. It's the Lord's job to take care of him. It's not mine. So he keeps on going. He keeps being pursued. And he finally just says, you know what? As long as I stay in this country, I'm going to be pursued. It's time for us to leave. And so he leaves. But he was called to be king of Israel. What's he do? He leaves it. He goes over to the country of his enemies. And he wanders around there and he makes these raids. And as they make the raids, they kill everybody so no one can say where they raid. And when he comes to Philistine, they say, where were you raiding? And he talks about some villages in Israel and they all think, oh, good, they all hate him over there now. He's going to be one of ours. And then finally Saul dies. What are you thinking of your David? Well, I guess this is the day. I guess this is finally it. I've been waiting a long time. I guess it's finally here. And Judah picks David to be king and the rest of them pick somebody else. That's not so good. That's not what we asked for. And now we got war between the two of us. Kind of bad attitudes that are coming up there. Well, David could have thought God had forgotten him, right? I mean, for Saul, it wasn't this way. Saul got the promise to be king and bam, he's king. And went more than a few days. That's all he had to wait. David's years, years waiting for this thing to come out. And nothing but trouble. That promise has brought him nothing but trouble. I'm sure he sat there sometimes and says, God, I wish you would have picked someone else. This has been nothing but trouble. I should have just been content to be over there watching the sheep. I'd still be there watching the sheep today. I'd be taken care of. I'd be in fine shape. Not all this other stuff. Hey, about Joseph? He's another guy. God gave him a promise. Did Joseph ask for the promise? No. He's just minding his own business. He gets a dream. And he tells the dream to everybody. He knows what the dream means. He tells the dream to everybody. They all know what the dream means. What, are we going to come and bow down and worship you? Come on, that's not... That's not, You're not really thinking that's going to happen. I'm just telling you what the dream was. And he goes off from there. And the brothers get all jealous about him and they throw him into slavery. And I'm sure he's thinking in the pit, this is the dream. And he gets sold into slavery. And he's on his way, all bound up, getting ready to be sold. He's thinking, this is the dream? And he's over there in Potiphar's house. And he's thinking, this is the dream? And then Potiphar's wife, that whole episode goes on. And he gets thrown in prison. Surely this is not the dream. Surely this isn't the right way. I never asked for that dream. I didn't ask for this stuff to be put on me. Why is it all this stuff happening to me? I've been faithful. I've been doing what God said. Come on. Why is all this stuff going on? And he soars to the top because he stays faithful. He soars to the top of the prison. And he finds a couple of higher ups. And he says, these are my ticket out. And he gives, them a good, gives one a good interpretation, gives the other one a bad one. He says the one he gave the good interpretation to. Remember me, two years later, he's still in jail. 
I'm sure he's thinking, why did I have to have the dream? Why couldn't someone else get the dream? If it wasn't for the dream, I wouldn't have been picked on by my brothers. All this stuff wouldn't have been going on. But got this dream, they all got mad at me. And finally, he gets elevated to a place of leadership. But there's still no no scene of the kids, or the, the, the other brothers and sisters, or no uh, mom and dad. Nothing that's going on. But eventually that happens. But Joseph waited a long time. Abraham waited how long? 24 years, 25 by the time it came. Joseph, we know, waited about 30 years. 30 years! That's a long time. There but Elijah. He's over there serving with Israel. Being the prophet. Coming out and bringing the Word of the Lord. Every time he brings the Word of the Lord, he gets picked on. He brings out the Word of the Lord, there's going to be a drought for three and a half years. Or he just said, there's going to be a drought until my Word ended up being three and a half years. And the king is mad at him. The people of Israel are mad at him. Everybody's focusing on Elijah. Elijah didn't bring about the, the drought. It was the disobedience of Israel. The Word of God comes to Elijah and he brings the Word. But everybody's mad at him now. And so throughout all this episode, he's beginning to feel very lonely. Very much like I am the only one. But he keeps going out there. He keeps being faithful. We you know the, the stuff that he did on the mountain with all the prophets of Baal and all the prophets of Astra. And the great show that was done with the burning of the sacrifice in the altar. And then, of course, the threat's made and he runs away and he comes out before God and he says, I alone am left. I'm all by myself. You have forgotten me. I'm the only one that's out here. You need me. I'm it. And God says, I haven't forgotten you and I haven't been without anybody else either. You're not as important as you think. You can be replaced and in fact go out there and find your replacement. I'm going to have you anoint him. So he goes out there and does it. Now he's got to bring this guy along. Elijah doesn't like bringing people along, but he has to bring this one along. How about Paul? Paul's out there. How many times does it seem like every time he goes into a city? Doing what? What God said. Did Paul ask for all this? No, God found him on the road. God had a visitation with him. Then when he's off there and off by himself because nobody in Israel wanted him, he's off by himself and God gives him this great vision. He says in the, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. But he's got this great vision and God pours out to him the revelation of the church and he says, you need to go and teach this to all the people. So he sets out to go and teach this to all the people all around the world. And every place he goes into, they beat him. They have riots. The people from Israel just keep following around and stirring up all sorts of stuff. Where's God in this? God, you said you wanted me to go out there and do all this. Every place I go, there's trouble. Where are you in all this? How come you're not there helping out? And we see that over in Philippi, God even said in the vision, come on over to Macedonia. And so he does. And going over to Macedonia, the first place he stops off at is Philippi. And they start having a few meetings here and there. A couple of uh, ladies' prayer groups meet over at the ladies' house. Not a whole lot of success going on. A few people are coming. Get the devil cast out of one person. Everybody gets all upset about it. And uh, they have this riot that forms. And they see that they're the center of it. So they grab them, beat them, throw them in the inner part of the prison. 
And we find out that they say, I'll worship you, God, as long as you tell me what you've done for me lately. Now, what are they doing in the middle of the prison? Worshiping God. Worshiping God. But Paul could be saying, God, you forgot about me. He goes over in Corinthians and he starts writing about all the things that God does and delivers him out of. And one of the things he says is, three days and three nights I was floating around in the ocean. How many of you after one day go, you're saying, God, did you forget about me? That's not a fun thing to do, float around in the ocean, hanging on to a board. Three days and three nights. What do you do if you fall asleep? <laughs> three days and three nights floating around. Didn't have the Coast Guard then. They didn't do these massive searches from the air. Didn't have satellite. You know, you can look around and see if you can find anybody in the ocean. But he says, out of them all, the Lord delivered me. How about Timothy? Timothy gets taken by, by Paul, put into, put into some places. He said, take care of it. Take care of it. And he, he starts growing up a wonderful, a wonderful church, the church of Ephesus, one of the most powerful churches around. And then persecution starts. And all his leaders that he found, trained up, raised up, began to leave them. One by one, they're all leaving them. And he went from having a letter written in 1 Timothy saying how to handle church growth to basically in 2 Timothy how to hang on. How to hang on when things aren't doing so good. And I'm sure he's thinking, God, have you forgotten about us? Look at what's going on over here. The people that are the leaders, they're being killed. The other ones are being scared off. I'm being left alone here to do this all by myself. What's going on? Timothy had to feel abandoned. God, did you forget? What's going on down here? What's happening? And you can keep on going through one after another in the Bible of people who could, could have thought. Some of them did not. As far as we can tell, they didn't think that. But a whole lot of them could have thought that. Elisha could have thought a number of times that God forgot about him. When the uh, Shunammite's woman, when her son died, how many of you would have been on the side of saying, God forgot? God left all the stuff behind. Here I am, taking care of this problem. Where's God on this one? Heaven, when the army surrounds the, the city, how many of us would be thinking, God forgot about me. Left me to die. He didn't think that way. He didn't get into that. How many times Moses could have thought, God forgot. He forgot about me. Look at what He left me. Look at the mess I have here. Hmm. Well, turn over to Psalms. 22nd chapter. Verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do we not know that phrase? We do know that phrase, don't we? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Who said that? Well, didn't it seem like Jesus was forgotten there at the cross? God turned His back on him. Forgot, I forgot about him, but God turned His back on him. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Been faithful, been doing all, all this time. Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and am not silent. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. 
Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying, He trusted in the Lord. Let Him rescue Him. Let Him deliver Him since He delights in Him. Isn't that what they said to Jesus? But you are He who took me out of the womb. You made me trust a while on my mother's breast. I was cast upon. I was cast upon you from birth, from my mother's womb, and you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. Ever felt like things are all around you? They're just looking for an opportunity to come in and seize who sees you. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It has melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked have enclosed me. They've pierced my hands and my feet. I can, I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. O my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. You have answered me. I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. And fear him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard, My praise shall not be of you in the great assembly. I will pay my vows before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All the earth, all the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. And the families of the nations shall worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship, and all those who go down to the dust shall bow down or shall bow before him, even he who cannot keep himself alive. A posterity shall serve him. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has done this. Well you see a lot of the prophetic things that are in this psalm about our Lord Jesus. And the first verse is one that he reads. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If Jesus can get to that point himself where he thinks, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Boy, how easy it is for us to get there. Put in your outline how hard it is to feel what he says in verses 1 and 2 and yet worship. Isn't that a hard thing to do? To feel what he says in verses 1 and 2. Oh my God, I cry in the daytime. Verse 2. But you do not hear. 
and in the night season and am not silent. How hard it can be sometimes to worship God when we keep thinking, He's not coming through. We keep battling that thing. It's not happening. My situation is not changing. It's not getting any better. Remember David, many, many years. Joseph, 30 years. Abraham, 25 years. And 24 until the promise was a little different given to him. These folks waited a long time. They waited a long time. Just because we're waiting doesn't mean God isn't doing anything. And it's one thing to know that. It's another thing to walk in it. You'll know when you're walking in it because when you see God, you just worship Him. You don't worship Him because of what He's done, how His promises have worked out. That's not the, that's not the thing. So have we gone through anything saying stuff like Jesus says here? Have we gone through anything like Jesus? Been beaten the way He was? put on a cross, having the sins of the whole world put upon Him and God turns His back to Him. Have we been through anything like that? How bad can our situation really be? And yet he worshipped and praised God. Paul worshipped and praised God. Timothy worshipped and praised God. Joseph worshipped and praised God. David worshipped and praised God. These folks all worshipped and praised God. They all were waiting. It seemed like God had forgotten. But they kept going. This is part of our training. This is part. Now, some people want to dig out wilderness experiences. Then, in a wilderness experience, they try and tell you, well, you're going to have these times where God just doesn't talk to you. You're going to have these times when God just seems far away and you just keep on going. Just like the children of Israel wandered through the wilderness, you're going to have to wander through. But God never left them in the wilderness, He was always there. He was there as a pillar of fire at nighttime. He was there as a cloud in the daytime. He fed them with food. He gave them water. God never stopped talking to them. And truly, all of these folks, even though there were situations, Abraham had a situation for 24 years where it seemed like God didn't come through on this. And yet, did God stay silent for 24 years? No. God was speaking to Abraham many times about many things. Constantly telling him stuff. His faith was always increasing. Getting stronger and stronger. He grabbed 200 of his servant men and went after a whole army of five kings. Simply because they took something of his. And he went after them. You think God was speaking to him about that? God was speaking to him about a lot of things. It wasn't that God was silent. It's just that this one thing hadn't happened. But our eyes generally fall to this one thing. I'm looking. You haven't come through for me on this one. Yet I do anything for you at all last week? Probably not. I don't know. <laughs> That's what we're thinking. What about all the wonderful times of worship that you had? What about the things that He opened up your eyes to in the Word of God? What about the things that came out of your mouth that helped somebody else minister to them? What about the wisdom He gave you over in this situation? The understanding He gave you in this situation. The thing that He helped you avoid over here. Did you forget about all those things? God didn't stay silent. Don't get that, um, that wilderness mentality. It's a false teaching that goes on through that God doesn't talk, talk to you for a while to teach you something. You tell me one time that you as a parent said, uh, Son, daughter, 
I'm not going to talk to you for the next three years to teach you something. What exactly can you teach them if you don't talk to them? Can't really do a whole lot there, can you? God is not going to take you through a time where He's not going to speak to you. He's not going to minister to you. He's not going to do anything for you. Just simply to make you stronger. Because all that's going to do is get you to depend on you and not on Him. That's not what He's about. He wants you to depend on Him all the time. Completely. But we got that one thing that we're missing. But I need this replaced. I need this fixed. I need this healed. I need a better job. I need more money. I need something. And we have a promise from God and we're hanging on to that promise, but it's, it's just not here yet. And every time we get into worship, we get focused on that thing. I don't have this yet. This isn't coming yet. And we get into church and we worship, but I'm mindful of that thing. I'm at home and I get the idea, how to worship God. How to get in there and worship. Do some things with God that way, but I'm thinking, nah, I don't really feel like it. I haven't received my blessing yet. I haven't received that promise yet. As soon as I get that promise, as soon as I get that blessing, then I'm going to go in there. And I'll, I'll be jumping up and down. I'll be hooting and hollering. I'll be having a good time then. God wants to raise us up strong. We need to get in there and to keep worshiping God. Father God, I worship You because of who You are. I worship You because You are the great God. I worship You for those reasons only. I don't worship You because of what You did for me. I don't worship You because of what You promised me. I worship You because You are God. Because You are the way. You are the only way. There is no way but Your way. This is it. So what is our true motivation to worship? What is our true motivation to worship? So easy it is for us to start off with the true motivation that's right and get over into another motivation that's based on what we've received, what God has done. But that's not how we're supposed to be. So here's the two questions. What is our true motivation to worship? What is it that really motivates me to worship? Is it truly just because of who He is? Is it truly just because God is God and God is great? And I'm just going to worship God because of who God is Here's the other one. What can stop us? What can stop you from worshiping Him? Is it a cranky boss? A neighbor? Kind of unruly? A financial need? A healing that doesn't seem to be coming about? A promise that seems unfulfilled? What can stop us from worship? What is our true motivation to worship? And what can stop us from worshiping? And God leads us in life and God guides us around. He wants to expose these things so that they can get them both in where they should be. That our true motivation to worship is the true motivation and the things that stop us don't stop us anymore. That's what He wants to do. Remember with the children of Israel during a time in the wilderness. He led them. He moved them around. He moved from place to place. Directed them here. It was all for a purpose. He led them to places where there was no water. It wasn't by accident they stumbled upon it. They were following Him. He led them to places where there was no water. But He had a way to, get, to take care of it. Would have built them up and encouraged them and, and get them going. But as soon as they walk into a situation, there's no water. What do they do? God, you forget me? 
think you forgot me. Well, anything other than a Psalms 22nd motivation will hinder your walk in the realm of the Spirit. And that motivation is because He is holy. Because He is God. Because He is worthy. Because of who He is, I will worship Him. I don't come to God and worship Him and say, God, I'm worshiping You because You came through for me. God, I'm worshiping You because You healed me. God, I'm worshiping You because You gave me my financial need. Father God, I worship You because You're holy. I worship You because You are the only way. There's only one way, and You are the way, and I thank You that I found that way. And that I'm going on to a place that You prepared for me. Job 13.15 Boy, you get this kind of dedication, huh? Though He slay me, yet I will trust Him. Even so, I will defend my own ways before Him. Though He slay me, yet I will trust Him. Just to get that motivation, just say, Father God, you can even kill me, I'm still going to worship you. <laughs> Forget about just forgetting me. <laughs> you can remember me and kill me, I'll still worship you. That's how Job was. That's how he was, he was dedicated. When we get into those places, and it looks like our promise hasn't quite come through yet, think about Abraham. Think about David. Think about Joseph. Think about Elijah. Think about Paul. Think about Timothy. Think about all the host of other people that are in the Word of God. That it seemed like they were forgotten. And as Jesus quoted Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning, Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night sessions, and am not silent. But get on back down to where He worships Him because He's holy. He worships Him because He's the true God. That's where we have to be. Where I am so sold out that Father God, even if I was, was Paul and I get shipwrecked and I get beaten and I come into places of need and famine and pestilence and all this sort of stuff, I still worship You. That you, nothing can put a damper on that. I'm going to continue to worship you. I'm going to continue to praise you. I'm going to go through the day. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And more stuff comes our way and the devil whispers in our ear, yeah, but what about, what about this? If you're Abraham, there's no kid yet. Hasn't happened. Promise has been out there for a long time. No kid yet. What are you going to do? Now your name's Abraham, father of many. No kid yet. How embarrassing is that for you? Come on. <laughs> no, we just keep hanging on to it. Father God, I'm going to continue to worship You. I'm going to continue to praise You. I'm not going to be mindful of all these things. I'm mindful of You. Father, we thank You for the help that You give us in understanding the things of this world. You lead us and You guide us. Sometimes You lead us into places we don't understand. Sometimes you guide us into places we're not quite sure why we're there. But in every state that we're in, every place that we're in, we come to a place of worshiping You. We are worshipers of You. Father, we thank You for it. We give You the praise and the glory. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.